to Criminal Curiosity, a true crime podcast. I'm your host, Jade, and thank you so much for listening. It means the absolute planet Earth. Today, we are talking about the serial killer by the name of Charlie Brandt. Now, I do want to mention that this case is pretty gruesome compared to like the last cases I've talked about. Um, so I'm just giving you a heads up, and if my voice sounds a little bit groggy, I woke up a couple minutes ago, so excuse that. (laughs) So let's just dive right into this story. Charlie Brent was born on February 23rd, 1957 in Fort Wayne, Indiana. His parents are Herbert and Isil Brent. I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce her name, but they were German immigrants. They have an older daughter, Angela, then Charlie, and then they have two younger daughters. His father was a international harvester, and that's doing like manufacturing on cars, trucks, tools, you know, that kind of stuff. So the family moved around a lot because of the father's job. But there isn't much that I could find or just ever talked about on Charlie's childhood. He was described as a good student, and he was a shy boy and did have difficulty adjusting to new surroundings. Every like vacation, I guess summer and Christmas vacation, the family would go on vacation in Florida and Charlie and his father would go hunting. It was like their father son father son son father son bonding moment and they would hunt small animals. So Charlie knew how to operate a gun. On the evening of January 3rd, 1971, the family is getting ready for bed. Charlie's father, Herbert, is shaving in the bathroom, and Charlie's mother, who is eight months pregnant, is taking a bath. Angela Brent, who is two years older than Charlie, so Charlie is 13, and Angela is 15 years old. She and Charlie are downstairs watching a FBI show on their brand new color TV. And she goes upstairs to do like her typical night routine and she reads a book every night before she goes to bed. Then all of a sudden Angela hears these loud popping sounds and she thought right away that they were firecrackers. Um, I mean you never kind of want to think that the first thing is gunshots especially in your own house. So she then hears her father yell like, Charlie, don't, or like, Charlie, stop. And she hears her mother screaming, and the last thing Angela hears her mother say was, Angela, call the police. As Angela is getting out of the bed, Charlie goes into Angela's room with the gun. He aims the gun at her and pulls the trigger, but it's just a click because the gun is out of bullets. Charlie throws the gun to the floor and Angela kicks it under the bed. Charlie begins to fight his sister and then he begins strangling her. Angela talks about how she noticed this like crazy look in her brother's eyes. 
and like after a couple of seconds the look goes away and he like snaps out of it and he acts like what am i doing or what have i done like boy get off me you're strangling me um but what he did was walk into his parents bathroom shoot his dad once in the back and then shoot his pregnant mother five times with a handgun that was in his father's dresser killing the mother and the unborn baby instantly Angela calms Charlie down and tells him to go upstairs and to get some blankets for the younger sisters. And I'm not 100% sure how old they were, but they were like infants. And I believe that they were like two and three years old. Nothing happened to the youngest siblings. They weren't harmed in any way. So, Charlie is on his way to get the blankets, and Angela goes to her neighbors and asks for help. Charlie shows up, he's pounding on the door, and he's yelling, I just shot my mom and dad. They call the police, and they arrive, and Herbert identifies his son as the attacker. They interview Herbert at the hospital, and Herbert says he has no idea why his son did what he did. It just, like, randomly happened out of the blue he was a normal kid or seemed like a normal kid and you know like the usual childhood that killers end up having um is like the head injury the abuse the bullying like that contributes to them being a killer but charlie had none of that he lived like a very normal life um yeah that was until he killed his mother that yeah He's not normal. Or was he ever normal? Are kids really ever normal? That's the question. That's the million dollar question we should be asking. When they interviewed Charlie, he said that there was a combination of things that led to the shooting. But at the same time, he was confused as to what exactly he did. He then tells police that, quote, everything sort of snapped in my mind, end quote. Charlie also tells police about an incident that happened during a Christmas holiday when they went on vacation in Florida, where Herbert, um, the father, shot and killed the family dog while they were out hunting. Um, I'm not sure why he killed the dog, um, if it was, like, deliberate or on purpose, but he kills the dog, and, like, police don't really know what to do with that information, because it's, like, that doesn't even seem like an actual legitimate reason to try to kill your entire family it it, i don't know three different doctors give him a psychiatric evaluation and they couldn't find what really triggered the shooting they said that he showed no signs of mental illness but i mean something has to be wrong right like, I don't know. Like, if the doctors with degrees can't figure it out, then how am I gonna figure it out, you know? So, because of his age, remember he's 13, which under Indiana law, he was too young to be tried for murder. So, Charlie spends one year at a psychiatric hospital, and still no one knows why he did what he did. They say that there are no psychological problems and he returns back to his father 
in June 1972. Because Charlie was a minor, his records were sealed. Um, and Herbert tells Angela and Charlie, he's like, look, no one is going to talk about what happened. This is our family secret and no one is going to know what happened. No one talks about it, no one mentions it, and we'll be fine. Nobody needs to know. You know that TikTok where it's like, nobody needs to know? Kind of like that. Um, so they're like, out of sight, out of mind, no one talks about it. We, we never mention it. So he then tells his youngest children that their mother died in a car accident and then the family moves to Florida and puts the whole incident behind them. It takes a special type of person to just forget about that. Okay. Okay. One year later, Herbert remarries and he moves back to Indiana with his youngest children, leaving Charlie and Angela to live with their grandparents. I'm not sure why he did that. My guess... <clears throat> is to escape Charlie, because that would be my reason. It would be. But I'm not 100% sure why exactly he left. So, Charlie goes to school, he acts like nothing happened, and in 1984, he graduates from university with a degree in electronics and became a radiate. Hold on. He became a radar specialist for Ford Aerospace. I did not know that you can get a degree in electronics. Engineering, yes. Electronics, never crossed my mind. In 1986, Charlie marries his girlfriend, Terry, but no family members were invited. I think that they were supposed to be family members coming, but it didn't really happen. So I believe it was pretty much like an elopement if it was just the two of them. Angela was married to a man named Jim, and she told him what happened, um, aka what happened, what Charlie did, and then they decided to have a conversation with Charlie, and this was, like, before the wedding, so they're like, hey, Charlie, you know, you gotta tell the woman you're marrying what you did when you were a kid, and Charlie's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I already told her, and she's completely fine with it. And then they're not 100%, what is the word? They don't believe him. Um, and they're like, oh, you know, are you sure you did tell her? Because she's still with you. Because let's be honest. If you're getting married to your boyfriend or girlfriend and they drop this family secret, like, hey, when I was a kid, I murdered my pregnant mother and attempted to kill my father and sister... In my mind, I have already packed up and left. Gone. I'm gone. I'm I moved to another state already. To me, it's screaming something is wrong. You're evil. Something is really wrong here. And he's like, Yeah, I told her. She is okay with it and she understands. But it's like I don't know what there is to understand. He killed his mother and no one knows why but I th and I think after they had that conversation um Charlie was like nope no family members because he was afraid that this whole secret was gonna get out and that's like the last thing you 
want to happen on your wedding day. So the couple got married and they settled in a beach house in the Florida Keys. On September 2nd, 2004, Terry and Charlie are forced to evacuate from their homes because of Hurricane Ivan. Their niece, Michelle Jones, offered for them to stay at her home in Orlando until the storm passed through. Michelle's mother, Mary Lou, who is Terry's sister, so like they all have like a really close relationship, and Michelle and her mother would talk on the phone every day, and she had a really good close group of friends that, you know, she'd keep in close contact with, like call them every other day or every day, or if not, like text each other every day. So on the evening of September 13th, 2004, one of Michelle's close friends, Lisa, was going to go over to Michelle's house. But on the same day, Michelle tells Lisa to don't bother coming over because Charlie and Terry had been drinking all night and they got into an argument. And it would be a weird, pretty tense atmosphere to be in. After the 13th, Michelle stops answering her phone, and that becomes very concerning to Lisa because they talk very often. Mary Lou, Michelle's mother, finds it very odd that she doesn't answer her phone as well, and then she tries to call her sister Terry, and she doesn't answer as well, and of course, that is going to raise a lot of red flags because they're together and they're not answering their phones. Mary Lou gets a hold of Debbie and Debbie is one of Michelle's friends and they have a very close relationship as well. On September 15th, Debbie goes to Michelle's home while Mary Lou is still on the phone. Debbie goes to the front door and it's locked, so she enters the house through the garage, and when she gets around the garage, she finds Charlie's decomposing body hanging from the rafters, which are those like wooden planks in the ceiling of the garage. Right away, Debbie calls the police, and when they enter, they find the bodies of Terry and Michelle. Terry had been stabbed seven times in the chest, and she was on the couch. Michelle was found in her room, and she had been decapitated and disemboweled. Her heart was removed and wasn't anywhere in the house, and later on in the investigation, police like had this theory that maybe Charlie ate the heart. As disgusting as it is to say, that's what they came up with. Um, her head was beside her body and it was angled to look at her body and the hair was brushed out of the way so that she could, so that it, that, that doesn't even sound right to explain. Her hair was brushed out of the way to see the rest of her body. Her breast had been cut off and one of her legs was cut off as well. But what killed her was a single stab wound to the chest. In the room was a bunch of Victoria's Secret underwear and bras that were just thrown around in the room. I'm not really sure why that 
like what that had to do with anything. Um, but the weapons used were from Michelle's own kitchen. There was no sign of force entry, nothing was ransacked, and there are no signs of a struggle. The police thought this was a murder-suicide, and that Carl killed both Terry and Michelle, and then killed himself. When they found the state of Michelle's body, they basically ran into a problem. They were like, this is not a closed case just because Carl is dead and there's nothing that they could do. But because of the way Michelle's body was cut, um, for one, she was decapitated, her breasts were cut off, and her heart was cut out. And they were like, there was no way that this is his first time killing someone. So, police get in contact with Charlie's father and his older sister, and Angela drops this huge bombshell that, you know, they weren't expecting about what he did when he was 13, that he murdered his mother who was eight months pregnant and attempted to kill his father and sister. They spoke to Mary Lou, who is Terry's sister, um... And she said that she had known her brother-in-law for 17 years, and she had a hard time wrapping her head around the fact that he was capable of such things. And I say that in a question question way, but I'm going to get to that really soon. So people that knew Charlie would describe him as a very shy and polite person. Um, So things weren't really adding up to him being a killer. They said that Charlie and Terry were the perfect couple. They did everything together. They never argued. So it was pretty confusing to understand how Charlie did those things. Then again, is any marriage perfect? Is any child normal? Is any marriage perfect? I mean, I'm not married, but all the time you hear about the perfect couple. You know, they never argue. They're all lovey-dovey. They're always smiling, always doing things together. And I think To be more realistic and to help make this easier on ourselves, as bad as it sounds, but is to believe that everyone is capable of something. Because if the opportunity presents itself, people's true colors will show. You know, um, never expect people to be this perfect person just because they're quiet or just because they talk a lot doesn't mean that they're not capable of something. Never expect people to be this perfect person because no one is perfect. Um, Don't hold, or not don't, but yeah, don't, but like we tend to hold people up to this perfect standard where just because they're quiet, they're this most amazing person because they work, they're this amazing person. And it's like, why are we holding people up to these perfect standards when they don't have any for themselves? excuse that rant. Let us continue. But I think that it makes perfect sense because there is no such thing as a perfect couple. So police go and search the beach home of Terry and Charlie back in the Florida Keys. And the first thing they find is a bunch of Victoria's Secret magazines, which was odd because Police later found out that Charlie had a nickname for Michelle, and it was Victoria's Secret. And he called her Victoria's Secret, like, ever since she was a kid. Red flag number one. That's creepy. 
Then, on the back of his door in his bedroom was a poster of the female anatomy. There were medical books, there were anatomy books, and none of them worked in the medical field to have this. Again, Charlie worked in electronics, and they found a newspaper clipping that showed a picture of a human heart. They searched his computer and found searches of necrophilia, which is sex with a dead body. Um... And just like a whole bunch of violent things towards women. They found Terry's diary and in it was like the pretty normal things like what she did today, what she ate, um, how she felt. And there were things about Charlie like today Charlie was acting weird or Charlie came home really, really late last night, which was not normal for him. Jim, who was Angela's ex-husband, came forward to the police and he said that him and Charlie became really close because they're, you know, in-laws now. And they started talking about revenge um, because Jim and Angela were no longer together and he wanted revenge on Angela. And Charlie said, quote, well, you know what the perfect revenge is, Jim. You kill somebody, then you cut their heart out, and you eat it. End quote. Like, what? Like, this is your sister we're talking about. Why must... uh, Why must humans be so violent? I'll never understand. So, police were like, maybe Charlie is a serial killer. Um, One, this man is not normal. This wasn't his first time. Two, for his job, he was required to travel all throughout Florida, so he gave him access to a lot of people. Um, And three, there were some cold cases that had a similar MO, and they happened when Charlie was in that area. And they linked Charlie to 26 unsolved murders that happened in Florida going all the way back to 1973. On September 20th, 1978, Carol Sullivan, a 12-year-old girl, was at a bus stop in Volusia County when she was kidnapped. They found her skull in a bucket, but they never found the rest of her body. Charlie was 20 years old at the time, and he lived in Volusia County, but there was nothing to tie him to the crime, but they believed that he was the killer. In December 1988, 20-year-old Lisa Saunders was beaten, stabbed, and dragged from her car in the Florida Keys, which is where Terry and Charlie lived. Her heart was missing, and police weren't sure if her heart was taken out by a human or, you know, if vultures came and took it. July 16, 1989, Sherry Parisio A 38-year-old woman was found in the Florida Keys, the same neighborhood Charlie lived in. She was a homeless woman living out of a small boat. Her head was nearly severed, and her body was mutilated. Like Michelle, her heart was taken out. Sherry was found less than a thousand feet away from Charlie and Terry's house. Charlie matched a composite sketch of a man seen crossing the highway near where Sherry was found on the night she was killed. 
And on May 6, 2006, police officially closed Sherry's case. Now, this composite sketch, it looks just like Charlie. So, I guess that's why they closed it. But, um, out of all the ones that I've talked about, this was the only one that was closed. In 1995, Darlene Toller, a 38-year-old sex worker from Miami, um, her body was found missing, her head and heart, and she was wrapped in a plastic bag near a highway. And Charlie used the same highway a lot, and he kept a mileage record of all his travels, which showed on the day of the murder it was logged for 100 miles, and that is the distance from the Keys to Miami. In May 2006, Terry confided in her brother-in-law because she suspected Charlie to be responsible for Sherry's murder. As time went on, Charlie's two youngest siblings that were told their mother passed away in a car accident learned what actually happened to their mom when they saw the story on the news, which is a horrible way to learn the truth. Like, just imagine sitting down and then just, like, your entire life unfolds on a TV and you have no idea that it's going to do that. Two days before the murder of his wife and niece, Charlie visited his father and told him goodbye and that he loved him and hugged him. And his father said that that was a completely different hug. It was like a goodbye hug. And it made police think that this was premeditated. Like this was his plan all along. Um, so this is going to sound weird, but this is the end of the story. You're probably like, um, is there more? No, it's there's not. Um, because he killed himself. He Never got to go to jail, which sucks. Um, and it's a very quite short story, and I talk very fast, and I'm so sorry for that. It's just I get super anxious when recording, and I'm just like, ah, I just start talking faster. But um, my thoughts on this case, um, I just find this whole thing weird. How none of the doctors found anything wrong with Charlie killing his mother and attempting to kill his father and sister. Like, is that normal to doctors? No. It, is, it, is it a normal thing to kill your parents, or attempt to kill your parents at 13? Yes or no? No. No, it's not. I don't know what it is. There's no if, ands, or buts something is wrong with Charlie, because something is wrong with Charlie. Um... Am I questioning the doctors? And am I questioning Charlie? Yes. Because all somebody had to say was that he's... All, all, yeah, all somebody had to say was that he's going to be a killer when he gets older. If we let this continue. And what did he do? Okay. Just making sure you're paying attention. Um, I also want to know, like, if you were in... A position and you know your friend has this deadly dark family secret would you tell their spouse or would you like keep it to yourself 
because my conscience isn't going to be ruined. My sleep schedule isn't going to be ruined because I know the secret. I'm telling you everything. But at the same time, if I'm your friend and I hear that you tell me like how to get revenge in like a graphic, non-normal revenge way, like taking their heart out and eating it, I'm leaving. Don't call me. Don't text me. Don't FaceTime me. Don't talk to me. Don't look at me because I'm scared. I'm And I hate being scared. I don't like it. It's not a very comfortable feeling. So, um, (laughs) that is the end of today's story. Um, sorry it wasn't a long one, but I just find this case really interesting. Um, I would love to know what you guys think. Thank you so much for listening. And please stay tuned for next week's episode that comes out every Thursday. And when this comes out, what? I don't even know my dates. When this comes out Thursday, the next Thursday will be my birthday. And I will be posting a case for that as well. Um, so yeah, whoop whoop. Anyway, <laughs> you can follow my Instagram at Criminal Curiosity Pod where you can see the pictures of the case. If you listen to this on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review and a, re- and a rating because it helps me out so much. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms such as Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. You can also request any cases that you have through Instagram or Gmail, which I will have in the description box. And please be safe out there. Look out for one another. Until next time. Bye, everyone.